Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. As many of you know, practicing yoga has been transforming for me and has become integral to my life, never more so this past year with COVID. I fell into it, literally, when 15 years ago, I fell and badly sprained my ankle in an aerobics class. Yoga was the only thing I could do for a few months. So out of necessity, I got on the mat and it saved me. Over the years, I came to realize that yoga is about getting to know yourself for who you really are, which as we know, is key to saying it skillfully. The saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, applied for me having had the blessing of some extraordinary yoga teachers, one of whom I am delighted is joining me today. From a young age, his has been a journey of pursuing passion and creativity, though like most, not without struggle. Today, a beloved yoga instructor who's been featured in magazines, on local and national television, and taught internationally at festivals and conferences, he's built a thriving career of serving others. And most recently, with an awesome online offering, Known as the Yogi Matt, I'm honored to welcome Matt Giordano. Matt, welcome to Say It Skillfully. All right. Thank you so much for that introduction. I really appreciate it and happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Molly. I appreciate you in more ways than I can articulate. Um, the yoga classes have been fab, I must say. Um, and fortunately, I've had the chance to practice with you actually in a studio in person. And that was four or five years ago at Allison West Studio Yoga Union in Chelsea. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was super fun. You came in and guest taught. And I so admire your extraordinary athleticism and your practice and how skilled you are in relating with students, um, deconstructing postures and really inspiring confidence regardless of anyone's level. That's really a gift of yours, Matt. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad you were in that class. I, I remember that week of classes that Allison did and I was, um, I was honored that she had asked me because she's such a, a skillful teacher and um, someone I consider to be my teacher. So that was like a, I was a little bit nervous to teach that <laughs> during that time. So I'm glad yeah. it went well. <laughs> it did. And I could, I, I could totally relate to that as Allison is, is also amazing. She is the teacher of teachers and, you know, I know how much she loves serving, but I also know how many people are so scared. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> she can be a very scary experience sometimes. Um, so before we get to where you are today, would you please take listeners back to what shaped you? Uh, you can start in your youth uh, and love for you to share your story. Sure. Um, well, I can quickly say that at a young age, I was interested in being an actor and turns out because I really can't read, um, I mean, I can read, I'm, I'm literate, but I, I am very slow to read still to this day. I guess I'm a little bit dyslexic as I'm coming to find out <laughs> at, a, at a later age. But um, so auditioning wasn't really my thing. And actually, I'm really terrible at memorizing lines. Um, I can memorize them. But memorization, um, for me, the memorization part is okay. 
but the pressure of getting it right is not so great. So um, quickly acting was not the career for me. It didn't work out. And I found a love for playing hockey, actually, ice hockey, roller hockey. So that kind of took over my passion for many years until I found music. I started playing guitar when I was in 10th grade. I was, let's see, how did that start? I mean, my father had a guitar laying around for a while and I'd always try to play it. And I remember just kind of strumming it, not knowing what I was doing for years and years until one night I was at a friend's house and this guy, my friend's stepfather was jamming with his guitar and he invited me in and he showed me a few things. And I memorized what he had showed me and I went home and I just practiced, 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 practiced. And that became my next big passion. And at that same time, I was, so I was in something called resource room when I was growing up. So that's like a um, extra help um, sort of um, support system when you go to, when you go to school, um, that was on Long Island. I'm sure it's other locations as well, but basically, you know, I, I was not quite meeting the standards for the grade level that I was in. And so they were there to support. And I felt like it was a waste of time. Um, not to say that I was, uh, really, I should have been there, but I didn't think there was, there was a great, they were doing a great job at really supporting me. So I just felt like it was a waste of time. So (laughs) I, I asked to be, I asked to opt out of it and I had to do a whole bunch of testing and they, in the end, let me opt out. But as a result, I had to make up a lot of credits that I was otherwise not needing to do in high school. Like because I was in resource room, they didn't make me do a lot of things that everyone else had to do. So now that I opted out, I had to make up for the credits that I had missed the first year and a half of high school. And so they asked me to select something and I was already long out of the music world in terms of uh, playing the saxophone like I did when I was a kid. Um, and while I was starting to play guitar, that's not an instrument you could play in band. So my, my only choices were home economics, which was like, you know, cooking and sewing and stuff or art. And I chose art, even though I'd had no artistic skills or desire to do art. I had done an art class with a teacher and though I was terrible at it, I really liked the teacher. So I said, I'll do art because I want to study with this teacher for whatever reason. So I went with that route. And so music and art starting in about 10th grade took over my life. The two of them just transformed the way that I lived in, in many ways because it transformed my perspective. It tapped me into my creativity. And that art teacher, Miss Walk was her name, really instilled a lot of life lessons that I'm learning from still to this day. Um, Many of which I have based my yoga career on. Um, And so I'll fast forward through high school a little bit. You know, my my life changed. I stopped hanging out with cool kids um, and just hung out with the the artists after school all the time. And, And I was just a different person, you know, playing punk rock music and <laughs> um, yeah, just going to concerts and um, hanging out in the art room became my life much different than before. I was still playing hockey at that time. Um, so there was this kind of interesting dichotomy there of being an athlete and also being um, a creative kind of human. And I um, eventually come college, I w- was going to go to school for art. 
And so I went to Hofstra University on Long Island. That's where I started off. And I didn't pick a major right away. And I heard somebody talk about music business in a class in one of my first classes. And I decided that that sounded really cool. What I really wanted was to study music. And I realized I was, I was going to study like graphic design because I felt like that was the safe bet. And then when I heard there was something called music business, I was like, oh, there's a safe bet as well. You know, growing up on Long Island, my family wanted me to have like a, you know, I, I, not that they ever really um, pushed me in any direction. I wasn't pressured by my family, but I think my parents and brother hoped for a career for me that would be financially stable. And my, uh, just a little background, my parents were not well off financially. We, we grew up in a nice town, but we were not, uh, we were at the bottom of the financial chain there. And, you know, my parents really worked their butts off just to be able to live in that town. And, you know, when everybody was rolling up in their brand new Mercedes and BMWs, my parents were rolling up in the minivan with the wood paneling from the early eighties. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I, you know, I think for them, they were hoping that I would find a career that would be more straight and narrow. And my brother wound up going that way, became a financial advisor. And after I, you know, what started co college, I was thinking like, okay, I can become a graphic designer. That's like a, a decent career. And then when I found out this music business thing, I was like, oh, music business, that's also, you know, a foothold in the creative and a foothold in the business. And that's, that's a good route to go. Um, turns out I was never meant for, for that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> the, I, studied, I started studying music. I went to Berkeley College of Music and I, I did study some some business there, which I will say helped me out. But the big thing that really helped me at Berkeley College of Music was the technology. They forced us to get um, MacBook Pros. We did a lot of um, audio visual kind of stuff where I learned inputs, outputs, which are just basically things you plug into things and, and you plug things into other things. <laughs> but that uh, surprisingly has played a huge role in my career today because of how much video editing I do, how much audio I need to know how to do. And uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, so technology has been massive, but that was really what I took from that. Um, so that's a, a fast forward through um, my early days before getting to yoga. <laughs> wow, that's Awesome. I had no idea. And it's knowing what you do now, you can see those bright spots that um, open the door and how you're just in the perfect role now. <laughs> so so I love the, you know, and hockey is almost, I mean, and I'm a huge hockey fan, by the way, but okay. it's certainly, it's <laughs> certainly, um, in fact, one of the when I kind of come on, I consider a mentor as I listen to the Penguins hockey coach, Mike Sullivan, because how his language and how he talks about the team has been, is really educational for me. Um, but so yoga, non-contact sport, very Zen. So I'm, I'm really curious, what is it that, that opened your eyes to yoga? Okay. So it was actually music first that transitioned me to yoga. Uh, certainly I, I, hockey's not the best sport physically for your body. Um, it is, however, really great for the mind. I would say it requires a tremendous amount of presence and focus. And so I, I definitely learned how to focus my attention through hockey, but it was in music that um, I kind of, I guess I harnessed that focus because I read a book called Effortless Mastery and that book was talking about being in the present moment and talked about ego 
Um, and there are meditation exercises in there. And my first experience of meditation came when I was in a, pra- a practice room. I was playing scales on the guitar and I realized I thought I had fallen asleep. And it was like, I looked up at the clock. It was like a half hour, an hour later from last time I looked at the clock and my fingers were still moving. And not only were they moving, but there was a metronome going, which is a basically keeps time for you. And so my fingers were moving on the beat. So I fell asleep, but when I woke up, my fingers are still moving and I'm still on beat. So that tells you that I wasn't actually asleep, right? So I didn't fall into like dreamland or whatever. And so that was my first experience of meditation and the metronome and the, the constant movement of the, the fingers in the same repetition pattern is something we used in meditation these days called mantra, but we do it verbally. It's a repetitive phrase you say over and over again, and it harnesses like the attention of the mind. You fall into this trance-like state that allows you to reorganize and, and deconstruct mental and emotional patterns. Um, but essentially this was the first time that this happened for me and it was not on purpose, but while reading this book, I started learning about self-reflection techniques and that led me to trying to meditate, attempting, uh, seated meditation. And it really was a struggle for me unless it happened accidentally, like in the practice room, it was a struggle. And I, but self-reflection, once it kicked in, once I had that, you know, that part of me observing me, once that kicked in, I would say there was no turning back because you can't, once you can observe the way that you're thinking and observe your behaviors, it's like that, that just, that momentum builds and it strengthens and it strengthens. And so I would say the next step really was a uh, let's see, a music producer of our band had passed away. And this guy's name is Brian. And Brian was an interesting cat. He was like always barefoot. He only ate vegetables. And at that time for me, this guy was just a weirdo. Barefoot, vegetables. He was always calm. He did things like meditation and yoga and stuff that I just didn't understand at that time. He was just a strange, strange guy. And when he passed away, you know, I realized how, how much power he held for, for my band and me and how much he inspired me. And I, I was un, uh, like, I didn't realize how affected I was by his presence in my life. And so when he's gone, I realized that, wow, I'm going to miss this guy. And that is, I would say, yeah, I guess attending his memorial was the life-changing, pivoting moment for me that, that just changed the course of my life from being a musician to being a yogi. So everybody, I had already done this like self-reflective techniques that I've learned through the book and through various other things that happened in my life. And I'm sitting there at the memorial, it's outside, it's beautiful out. And these people start chanting um, the sound of Om, and they're using these singing bowls and they're saying like, Brian, like whispering his name. And I just thought this was the most Looney Tunes 
weird thing ever. I was like, what are they doing with this, you know, ohm and singing bowls? And I was, man, these people are out of their mind. And then I had a moment of self-reflection of realizing that I was just judging. Like I was just being judgmental about something I didn't understand. I didn't know what they, I didn't have their experience. And I remember thinking like, Brian would ask me to pay attention to this right now and recognize what's going on. And in that moment of self-reflection is when the world shifted, everything shifted. My, I, I remember the colors of everything around me just turned like instantly vibrant. The trees were bright green. The, you know, like er, er, the birds were singing so loudly. <laughs> I remember someone shifting their weight from their left foot to the right foot. And, it, and like, I could hear the grass underneath their foot. And that, that person was like across the other side. So it was so, it was like, they took the volume and turned it up to 20,000, you know, <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't, ex- I can't explain it till, still to this day what, what that was or whatever, but it opened my, my perception to the fact that there was something much bigger to this life than my thoughts and my, you know, internal world that I had kind of boxed in. And that led me down a path of curiosity and it began, uh, I began speaking to Brian who mind you was no longer alive and he began speaking to me and as crazy as that sounds, it led me to the practice of yoga. Now I know how, I know how weird that sounds. So uh, I'll explain. I, I think from a, from a more practical standpoint for those that are not really in the spiritual world and can't really fathom that, I would say I began speaking to myself. Like I finally learned to find inner, inner wisdom that I had the answers within me. That's an easier way of kind of digesting it, that the questions that I had had answers and those answers were within me. And I just had to dig down below all the nonsense and all the noise and all my uh, upbringing and patterns that have of behavior, of thoughts, of emotions that came from my childhood that I was carrying with me. I had to get below all that to actually hear the truth. And by doing so, I... Um, you know, some would call this prayer or some would call it meditation, contemplation. I began um, a process of self-reflection and that led me to meeting somebody who suggested I read this book. And this book was called Wisdom of the Peaceful Warrior. And she's like, hey, read this book. Sounds like you're on a cool path. And um, this would be a, a great thing to start. And I was like, okay. I was in a place of open-mindedness and in a place of uh, wanting to expand myself. And this book was called Wisdom of the Peaceful Warrior. I opened it up. I I mean, I rushed right to Barnes and Noble and and purchased the book. I opened it up and like the first few pages says, if you're struggling with seated meditation, try yoga, Tai Chi or um, Aikido. And it's a moving meditation. So I called my stepmom, who was a yoga teacher and I said, hey, so what's this yoga stuff? And she's like, well, rather than trying to explain it, why don't you just come to class tomorrow? I have a class at 4 p.m. I was like, okay, cool. I showed up at that class at 4 p.m. And my life, like, <laughs> I couldn't even explain. She's like, I walk in, she goes, take your shoes off, put them over there. And you'll know by the third class if you, if you like yoga. I was like, great. As soon as we hit warrior two, I was just in love. And I guess I, sh- I should preface this by saying, 
I did Taekwondo growing up as a kid. And so warrior two to me, like holding that posture, getting my muscles strong and being focused, it just took me right back to my childhood, the good parts of my childhood where I was like, uh, I think really learning self-discipline and my own strength. And so right then and there it was like, I knew this is, this is my life is not going to be the same. And yeah. And, and so that began my process of yoga. I went every day as many times as I could possibly go, <laughs> um, found as many teachers as I could and studied, studied, studied. Uh, I am blown away. I knew it was a great journey and I had no idea. That is so fabulous. The, the curiosity, the open-mindedness, the ability to so easily let go, Matt. I mean, people spend a whole lifetime and they can't let go of what doesn't serve them. And you're ability as a youth to just be so, just soak it in and go there. I love the intuition that you have. Well, I do want to say one thing there because, you know, I left out a a big chunk of the story that, and I don't want to get too deep in this, but the open-mindedness came from um, not the best place. It didn't start off like, Oh, I just want to be open. It actually started off with, I was going down the exact opposite path and, um, ego was becoming really strong. I was in a band. I was, uh, we were tired all the time. My attitude was negative. I was getting, um, agitated quickly, reactive. I was not the nicest person to be around, And my band members, it got to a point where they sat me down and had an intervention and they were like, we don't like the person you're becoming. Um, And essentially, if you don't change, then we're going to kick you out of the band. And that might sound silly, like, oh, you're in a band as your kid, but this was our life. We spent eight years um, working towards our dream and our goal of of getting signed and, you know, becoming a famous band, which didn't happen. Um, But it was my, it was, they were my best friends. They were like my brothers and they were telling me that they didn't like me anymore. And to me, that was a huge uh, wake up call. At first I wanted to run away and be like, find new friends, find a new band. Um, But then I kind of realized that if all of them, you know, all seven other guys agreed that I, my attitude was the problem and you know, and I'm the only one that disagrees, then I'm probably the one that's wrong. And so that really made a shift for me because it was a scary wake up call that your best friends really don't like you anymore. Um, There's a lot more to that story, but you know, it wasn't just like a a quick turnaround of, Oh, I want to be present. It was, it was a, it was a big, um, like a big crash in my life, unexpected. uh, I want to use Something, you know, the poop hit the fan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love it. And thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing that critical piece of information for folks. Because part of the show is just helping people appreciate that there's these ups and these downs. And it's the downs, it's the struggle, it's working through them that are most defining and help us be... Uh, get to our true selves. So I thank you. And, um, you know, I'm sorry for struggle, but at the same time it needed to happen and look at where we are now. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely (laughs) needed to happen. So so talk, you know, fast forward to now, I just think the, you know, you, you're, you're, you kind of built yourself this yoga, quick kind of start to yoga. And then, you know, you've just been masterful, I think, navigating what has been a tough time for a lot of people, but really flourishing and helping a lot of other people flourish too, Matt. So um, take us to more recent times. Sure. Um, So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I for many years I was teaching in Manhattan, as you had met me there, and I was teaching a lot of classes, yoga classes. That was kind of the methodology I went about, and it was a relieving way of having a career that was steady after coming out of being in a band that was unsteady. And I thought that was going to be my career, but I got burnt out on that process of just showing up for classes and teaching, basically waking up at 4 a.m. and going to bed at midnight every night for a routine. Um, And so this began the perspective shift of maybe there's another way. And that's a key point because as we come to the pandemic, um, when things shifted, I was able to have this mindset of maybe there's another way. And that really helped me out. So, you know, as I shifted in New York city from like teaching classes all day long, every day, I had to figure out what is that other way. And for me, it finally landed on teaching workshops. And so my career shifted to workshop teaching, which eventually shifted to festival teaching, which eventually shifted to touring around uh, the US and around the world. And so as that began to shift, every step of the way, I started to be more open to things can change. Like I don't have to have my life set like, this is it, this is the end. And, you know, I think maybe I I witnessed my parents and my parents' generation, like kind of get set in their ways. And um, this is the job I have for the rest of my life. And while I knew, you know, I could always change careers when my career as a yoga teacher was no longer satisfying to me, I start, I, I began this pattern or process of saying, well, what, what would be more satisfying? What could I do to make this career better for myself and everyone around me? Um, and so about six years ago, I had already started an online uh, platform. I started teaching on YouTube and I started my website, theyogimat.com. And I began a newsletter where I send out tutorials, video tutorials called Technique Pack. And I started this because I knew I was already getting burnt out on traveling, on touring around the world, teaching yoga. It sounds so glorifying. It is. It's wonderful. But it's what you don't hear about is like the amount of airplanes you're on, the amount of hotels, the the sleep you lose all the time. You're not at home ever. So, you know, there's always a downside to every upside. And so I wanted to make a shift. And so it's been a six years, six year process of shifting to, to having an online business. And... This year, uh, 2020 was actually a year of the biggest amount of touring I had um, planned. I was was gonna do a couple of Asia tours. I was gonna do a bunch of tours in Europe and I was starting to roll out an immersion called Elements of Mastery and I was teaching that all over the world. And so it was the busiest year of touring and I was really not looking forward to to be honest. I mean, I was looking forward to the success of my career building but I was not looking forward to the touring and the, the sleepless nights on airplanes and everything. So when 2020 happened, when May, March 2020 happened, um, I was really well positioned. So I was actually fortunate that I already had my web, website up and going. And I had gone through six years of learning how to navigate online. I already knew I had a membership-based site. I had a, I had online courses. Now, I didn't have a full, like, I really only had a few things you could purchase on the yogimat.com at that time, like a handstand training and a couple of live stream classes. And so 
had the technology down, which was a big foothold because a lot of yoga teachers really struggled with the technology. They didn't know what to do, how to do it. Um, I, I was fortunate to have those six years prior experience, but what I didn't have were the ideas of how I could, you know, do an online anything. And my first step in was just people ask me, are you going to teach an online class? Are you going to teach a class? Are you going to teach a class? Are you going to teach a class? I was like, wow, okay, maybe I should teach a class. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I taught a class like uh, on a split, like split second decision was like, I'll teach a class tomorrow on a Saturday. And I was like, maybe I can get 10 people to come. So I sent out an email. I, I, um, messaged people, text message people, sent like um, Instagram messages out, personal messages, announced it on my stories. I just like, let me just get it out to everybody. Maybe I can get some, you know, a few people in. Basically, long story short, I woke up the next morning, there was 150 people signed up for this thing. And I was like, wait, whoa, what? And I didn't realize because I, previous to that, anything online was just minimal. You know, as I mentioned, I just had a little handstand course, had a few things, but I didn't ever really try to go big with it. And then since we were all in lockdown, I just went that route. But very quickly, I got burnt out on teaching classes. And it was like, I could see it right away. I was like, this is so much time and effort just to teach one class, to tell everybody how to use the website, to answer customer service. I was like to, to do all the technical side. I, I was not sleeping the first few weeks of the pandemic because I was trying to get people to practice yoga and promote it. And it was like, wait, this is, I'm burning out again. Like I'm doing exactly what I did in New York city. And so I was like, how can I shift this? And I, I thought about, you know what, if people want to practice with me, you know, the first step was I can, um, I can create package, a package. Like you can sign up for the month of April instead of the, each individual class. And that began what became the immersion series, which I do now every month you get 12 classes. We practice three days a week. It's live stream, but you also get lifetime access to all the videos. And that, that shifted and it was way better for me because not only um, was I promoting just for the, you know, the one month rather than every day promoting and every day trying to get the word out there. And then everybody, all the customer service happened at the beginning of the month. Once everyone settled in, then we can relax. And I could also connect with the students on a deeper level and we can have a focus and we can, everyone gets to go deeper and transform their practice. And that began the immersion series. And of course, that's a big part of what I do now. Um, and the other thing was people started asking me like, are you gonna do any online trainings? And so my 200 and 300 hour training was born out of people's like question, like, Hey, you're going to do, do trainings. I said no to both the 200 and the 300 hour first for like a month. <laughs> and then finally I was like, all right, all right, fine. I'll do a 200 hour training. And that wound up being one of the most fulfilling um, things of my life, I will say. And so when people started asking for the 300 hour training, I was like, resistant, resistant, resistant. But I was like, this 200 hour training was one of the best things let's do a 300 hour. So I, I jumped on board with that. And, uh, that has been the, I feel like my life's work is now in the 200 and the 300 hour trainings in particular, the 300 hour training, because I I've gotten to share skill sets that I've never been able to share in person in, in person trainings, you can only get so much content out. And so I've really recognized that there's, 
there's in-person experiences and there's online experiences and they're not the same. And I, I can't simulate the same, this, the experience on both ends. Um, but rather I learned to take advantage of what online has to offer. And that has been so fulfilling. Um, and I, I'm just grateful that I found a way. Uh, that is so marvelous. The listening that you did and the making the change. And, you know, I guess this is listening to the universe, which of course you would do. And I think for a lot of folks out there, I might offer that lots of times the signals are out there. The, it's out there, but we're not necessarily hearing it. And I'm, I'm so impressed by how um, it's guided you. And I'm just impressed with your like stamina because I do. I watch. I'm like, you know, cause I know I'll send you an email. I get an email back. I'm like, he's got like thousands of people emailing him and I don't know how you're doing it. So wow. Bravo. bravo, bravo, bravo. Long nights. Yeah. And I do have to tell you, my sister, both my sisters are also yoga um, teachers. And so my one sister in Denver and I were thinking we would like to do one of your teacher training. So hopefully in a future at some future period, I'll be able to join you on that because I would, would be love awesome. that, of course. So fabulous. So let's do a quick pivot because this is say it skillfully. So I'd love to just ask you if there's a challenging situation or conversation that I might help you with. Okay. Yeah. I mean, lots of challenging situations. <laughs> um, I think what's potent right now and um, and, and maybe a consistent challenge over the past year is, um, so, you know, I've got certain relatives on different um, political positions. Um, and I would say that probably is not just political, but um, seeing the world in a different way than I do. And which is fine. I, I don't, I don't necessarily um, mind a political standpoint that is different. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, but rather having a challenging conversation around systemic racism that does matter to me um, in, in being able to uh, find a way to have a conversation about it when um, I can tell that perhaps my, um, some of my other family members don't necessarily want to have that conversation or believe that that conversation should be had. So what advice do you have regarding having those tough <laughs> talks? Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this up. I was just on a webinar about this yesterday with like a thousand people and it's top of mind. So I appreciate your interest in wanting to go there. Um, and I guess I would offer thinking about, um, versus having the conversation as the win, it might be just creating connection. So um, not unlike how you deconstruct your yoga, taking a smaller step and thinking, let me just create connection and see where this other person is on this. I could imagine that, you know, the person, you don't think the person wants to have the conversation. That may be the case, but how about if we just kind of extend an olive branch? And so I think, um, so just raise a topic saying, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, seeing this, this um, disconnect of people around the world, you know, we're, we're not really able to embrace our differences, you know, you hear systemic racism. Um, and it's something that I think would be really healthy just to talk about to hear our different views, hmm. not to make either of us right or wrong. Is there a point you think you might be open just to having a conversation, because I would really like to hear what you think. Mm. 
And, and I might just say that that would be a huge win. And you might, and they may say, you know, Matt, it's, it's pointless. I don't want to have the conversation. Thanks for letting me know. I wish, you know, I wish that um, we could have a conversation, um, but I honor that you don't want to. I just want you to know that I'm going to ask again next month. And, and if you might be open to it, um, I would love to do so then. Right. Very cool. Kill them with kindness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. right? And, and I just want folks to know you can only do and control your side. And we, it's not our, not our job. It's not our, we can't control how others respond. So don't think of that as a bad, you just hey, look at, you did what you can do. You put goodness into the universe and that's positive. Right. And, and, um, to know that that was a good step in a direction and you never know where that could lead. So, yeah. Awesome. That's, that's really helpful. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think, I think the, the, the discussion, um, or yeah, or getting into that discussion is great. Might be incredibly challenging. I'm already foreseeing the the response as you mentioned, but I I think that's a really great starting point. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, your own energy, just saying, Hey, you're just, there's no good or better, right or wrong. You're just putting out there what in your view, this is your view, right? And that's all all you can do. And it's all good. All good. Um, Okay. I could talk to you forever. So let's just in wrapping here, um, a few follow-ups. When you look back and, you know, again, you are who you are because of the ups and downs, but there anything that you might say as a do over if you had a chance to do it or still be where you are, but that you would do over any particular thing come to mind. I mean, if I could still be where I am today and do it over, it would be, yeah, the, the attitude that I, um, the way that I, with my friends, the way that I was with them and treated them and, um, my behavior in that particular time in my life that led them to sitting me down, I I would do that over, of course, you know, like the behavior itself. I think the way that I responded from it is why I'm here today. Um, but if, if I could take the hurtful words I've said to them, the um, energy that I put in that time frame, and still be here right now, then I would take that back. <laughs> Great. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And then, you know, you do so much growth for other people. And I'm wondering, do you have a personal or professional area of growth that you're working on? Uh, always. Uh, so I'm really interested in a number of things and I always try to educate myself and follow my, follow those passions. I mean, as we talked about, of course, systemic racism is one area that I'm trying to um, become more aware of in, in myself, learning my own uh, bias and everything um, and educating myself on um, certain um, areas of this that I'm just not educated on. Um, but also, you know, I'm passionate about, uh, neuroscience that I'm learning. I'm not a neuroscientist, but I'm passionate about learning it. So I'm always studying. I'm also passionate about learning anatomy. So I'm always studying that. And I'm really passionate about yoga philosophy, like the other, the other end of the experience. So I'm trying to, I'm really deeply studying Tantra. And, um, so I'm, I'm, I love psychology. I love the body. I love, uh, the study of anything related to that. And those are the things that fuel my teaching. So I get better as a teacher from those perspectives. And then I should also really mention that as a, like, you know, 
the teaching side of things is one small sliver of how to really get yourself out there as a teacher. So I'm also constantly studying business, entrepreneurship, um, uh, marketing. So I've got, you know, I've got teachers for everything <laughs> and that I'm constantly um, trying to get better and better at and find, find new ways of, um, you know, bringing myself um, to become a better teacher. We want to just um, we want to replicate you. <laughs> we need more yous out there. This is this thirst for learning, um, your work ethic, your love. I, it's, it's all just fabulous. You know, I, I didn't get to ask, and I need to ask this for the folks who. Some of us are into yoga, um, and you know, we found it to be amazing. Um, thoughts that you might share with the listeners who haven't tried yoga, how they might think about it. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I'm so inflexible. The first thing out of the mouth, Molly, I'm so inflexible. I said, you know, honey, if you can breathe, you can do yoga. Um, so how, how would you? Um, maybe yeah, that's a great. I mean, it's a really great question. Here's the deal. I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed by the idea of doing yoga for a number of reasons. One, people that do yoga love yoga. And so as a result, they're constantly sort of putting it on everybody else. Um, You know, when I was in my early days, I would always say, basically, you should do yoga. You should do yoga. And I didn't realize that maybe not everybody should do yoga, Um, that it's really for for certain people that um, are attracted to, um, you know, physical strength, flexibility, body awareness, and um, self-reflection on the mental and emotional levels. And I realized that not everybody, first of all, not everybody needs yoga, um, I think that I needed it more than anyone, which is why I became so passionate about it and why I'm sharing it on such a big level. But if you're listening, you know, like first take the pressure off. There's no need to do yoga. Um, here's the reasons why you would, if you want to, you know, if you want to, you know, kind of get a taste or, or here's some, I guess, some criteria for if you perhaps might want to try it. And that is, are you, uncomfortable in your physical body if so that's the perfect reason to start yoga because that discomfort in your physical body you will learn how to become more comfortable through developing strength through developing flexibility through developing body awareness those three things are huge learning how to become stronger learning how to become more flexible and learning how to become aware of the physical body so that's one of the things one of the realms that yoga teaches and it's probably the most popular avenue right now in these days is the physical body connection. And even a, uh, you know, like a beginner yoga teacher can share a space for um, people to get stronger, more flexible and more awake to their body. So if that's something that you're looking to do, then yoga is a great practice. If you're looking to, you know, if you look at yoga and you think, well, I'm not flexible or I'm not strong, or I'm not aware of my body, so I can't do it. What I would say is that it's yoga is, first of all, it's not a performance. Like, it's not like dance, where if you look at a dancer up on a stage, you probably can't do what they're doing. I can't do what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, in so I'm not going to perform the piece that they're performing. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't start learning to dance if I really am passionate about dance. It just means I shouldn't go up on the stage in front of thousands of people and start performing the piece that they were performing. And so first things first, yoga is not a performance. It never is unless you decide to treat it like one, which some people certainly do. Um, You know, 
I've certainly on my Instagram have displayed my practice for the purpose of attracting attention so that I can then get people involved in what I'm doing. But when I, um, you know, when people like me put their um, images of them doing yoga, it's actually not the practice that we're putting an image of. That's a performance. We're showing you a performative moment of like, look what I can do, which actually is not our practice whatsoever. Cause you can't actually film or photograph the experience of practicing yoga. That's something that is deeply personal to everybody. And my practice, as far as the visual is very simple. And it's really comes down to this, find my weaknesses, whatever muscles in my body are weak, and strengthen them. Find whatever muscles are tight and lengthen them. Find the areas of my body that I'm completely asleep to and unaware of and become aware of them. It's the same thing for me of the mind. That's the other side of the yoga practice. Figure out where I'm blind to my blind spots, like what I, what I am not awake to, my behavioral patterns, my emotional patterns, my thought patterns, and shed light on them, become aware of them. So if you're out there and you want to become more, you know, peaceful, calm, stress-free, all those, you know, buzzwords or whatever, then maybe meditation, pranayama, which is breath work might be the route for you. And there are multiple ways to meditate and, and do breath work. There's multiple theories and, and different approaches. Yoga happens to encompass the physical, the mental and emotional, and the energetic, which is the breath and the energy that's pulsing through you. And it may or may not be the right practice for you, but what is, I think, the right practice or the right thing for everybody is that we all have the right in our physical body to become more aware of it. We have the right while we sit up here in our mind to become more aware of our thoughts and how they're being formed and where their those thought forms came from. Because ultimately that gives us the freedom to now exist in this moment as we want to, rather than being a puppet for our path from our past experiences. And that's everything in the physical body. Our body is carrying out our past experiences. Uh, so we have neuromuscular patterns, right? You sit the way you always sat because you sat that way for a long time and that causes pain. So maybe you can learn how to become aware of that and change those patterns. And same thing with the mind. You think the way you always thought because of all those things that happened to you in your childhood. If you become aware of those things, then you can change the way you think, the way you feel, the way you exist, the way you behave. And so if that is something that you want to do, then practicing yoga is a great start. If it's not, then don't practice yoga. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love the choice and such a profound way to describe it. And also, you know, it, it does extend beyond yoga to our lives. And so I appreciate this, the, the parallel um, that you, you created for all of us. I'm just so overwhelmed with you. It's, it's just unbelievable, Matt. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Folks, um, theyogimat.com. You can follow Matt on Instagram. His amazing feed you can learn. Um, also on Facebook. Um, and I'll include those links when I share the show. Um, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, like a huge namaste, honoring you, um, the the light and the energy that you are for the universe. Uh, You make the world better. You've helped me be better in in untold ways. Um, So I thank you for joining the show, for being part of the solution. Um, And if I can ever be of help to you, Matt, please don't hesitate to reach out. 
Uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here and to share the passion of my journey in yoga with you. I I'm just honored that you practice with me and that you invited me on the show and everyone that listened in, I thank you for your time and, um, and hope to connect one day. Yeah. The delight and the honor is mine. Uh, now we have time for one caller. I welcome Keishla to the show. Hi, Keishla. Hi, Molly. How are you? Could not be more fabulous. I listened to Yogi Matt. It's made my week. <laughs> I know. Uh, my friend, what is top of mind for you? Well, you know, after listening to that little bit of Yogi Matt, I was like, man, I uh, want to kind of find a way to center the challenge that I have for you today because I think sometimes um, we get caught up in the day-to-day that we forget to sort of kind of elevate to our higher place and do some self-reflection. But I wanted to reach out to you because I have a, a, uh, a colleague of mine that's dealing with a challenging work situation. And I said, well, I could, I could ask my friend Molly. <laughs> and um, I feel like we're there. And so I thought I'd reach out to you with what she's dealing with. And so Perfect. she's in a role that, um, you know, when she stepped into the role, who um, she interviewed with and all of that thing. We know how important it is when you interview with somebody that, that it's not just the company, but it's the person, too, that you know you're going to work with and for. And that changed several times. Um, and so now she has a new manager. And this manager is, um, she's struggling with things of um, this manager sort of every, every decision sort of requires approval. They want to be looped in on all communication, no matter how big or small. Um, and just sort of every day-to-day activity of her job sort of has to run through this other person. And she's, it's just creating a lot of tension in her for how she wants to do her work because she wants to be able to... Um, have some autonomy, I guess, is the best word. And so she would love some advice on how to handle that. Well, thank you for that. I'm nodding my head with a bit of a smile. I've heard this one before. And <laughs> so I appreciate that you were so kind to offer to help her. So um, do tell her I'm cheering for her. Uh, a starting point for her just might be, hey, how do you feel about it? You know, and she may be annoyed or what have you. And just give her a chance to vent that out. Say, hey, mm-hmm. that's great totally valid and unlikely that her boss wakes up and says, I'm going to drive you know, this gal crazy and I'm going to micromanage her and make her life annoying. <laughs> unlikely that that's going on. Okay. There is a chance. So I, I could be wrong. Unlikely that's the case. Mm-hmm. So I, in a word, if she could show some compassion that her boss isn't as aware and is not really trying to ruin her life. Right. So that's just an exhale right. for her. And then coming in with a positive calm kind of demeanor and it might sound like she might think what do I really want to have happen and I think the first thing is just awareness of the situation Keishla versus uh-huh. getting the answer so uh, I so appreciate the chance to work with you my first few days have been uh, weeks have been very exciting I'd really appreciate a time for us to sit down because I like to be in sync with you so that I can produce my best work for you so she wants to produce her mm-hmm. best work, but it's in the context of for this woman. And so just find the time, okay, and say one of the things, you know, and, and, and I just want to appreciate your openness. Obviously, I'm new here, and I want us to be a dynamic duo and work brilliantly together. So I just think some time for us to talk about that is really great. So I'm normalizing the fact that it doesn't, you know, fabulous relationships don't happen out of thin air. 
and say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm wondering when you work with your boss, how, how much is your boss involved with your activities? So it just gives your friend some information and she, it, it may or may not go anywhere, but it gives her a sense for what my friend's experience is. And then you might say, okay, I just want to go through a scenario. I think, you know, I, I'm grateful for you and I know you want me to do my best work and just be situationally, let her know what the experience was. Um, I did this and I checked with you on this. And I feel that one, it, from a time standpoint, wasn't super efficient. And then I have to be honest with you, I don't feel like I have the trust I need. Stop. And then see where that lands. And then, then take the conversation from there, all the while staying light. And also, you know, it's easy for her to perhaps get judge, judgy herself, and she wouldn't want to be judged. Mm-hmm. So the hardest thing is to keep a lightness, a calm, a smile, a keep the faith and assuredness, even if the boss gets a little ruffled. And if she sees that, just honor the emotion. Oh, I'm sorry, Susie. I'm not trying to be um, confrontational or otherwise difficult. Please know that my intention is I want us to be uh, amazing in our work dynamic so that, right, I can do my best work and help you thrive. So let me just pause. Right. How's that one? I love that. And I do think, um, you know, I've had opportunities to chat with her. And so I appreciate, number one, you giving me advice of how to sort of stay in a good space with her in the conversations and help her know how to then elevate this conversation to her boss. Um, while at the same time um, knowing that I don't, I, I think most of us don't feel that our, when we're in these types of situations that there's malicious intent. Um, it's, it's usually that space of awareness, but knowing how do you effectively move somebody from a, from a kind of to, uh, to what Yogi Matt said is there are parts of my body or parts of my brain that I'm just not aware of that have these blind spots to what I'm doing and behaviors that I might practice and how can I become more in tune with those things? Or not only for yourself, but how do you help somebody else do that so that it helps your, helps you in turn? So I appreciate that feedback. That's fantastic. And, you know, this notion of asking questions and that your friend is modeling the growth. So, you know, it starts with me. Hey, I, I know that I'm trying to be more self-aware. I appreciate when people come to me with things I might see. So please know this is the spirit that I'm having this conversation. Um, so uh, you know how to reach me. Would you loop back with me and let me let me know how it goes? Because absolutely, um, I will. I'm hoping I'm hoping that she can take this. You know, just also normalizing for folks that these tough times situations are here for a reason, and that they will make us stronger. And so for her to appreciate, rather than oh, I can't believe this is happening, but oh, like Yogi Matt would say, right. this is happening for a reason, and I can make it work. Uh, my friend, you're always inspiring to me, and I thank you for being part of the solution. And you take good care. Thank you, Molly. You have a great day. Ciao, ciao. Ah, love it. Okay, my thought for the week, inspired by Yogi Matt, is a secret to success, whether on the yoga mat or in the boardroom. Build humble confidence. And that's a wrap. My thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Matt's voice. Reflect on your own top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life.
Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 